0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the third episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast Fish Series. In this episode, Greg and I talk about smallmouth bass, the fish that many have a love-hate relationship with. Greg takes us through the history of smallmouth bass in Maine and the controversy surrounding them. Then we discuss the best seasons and conditions to catch smallies, what techniques you should be using, as well as what flies will help you put smallmouth after smallmouth in your net. Our hopes are that listeners realize the special opportunities that we have in Maine to go after this hard-fighting fish. We hope you really enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the third episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast Fish Series. I'm Aaron Broadus, and I'm here with co-host Greg Labonte of Maine Fly Guys. In this episode, we'll be talking about Maine's potentially most underappreciated fish, the smallmouth bass. Greg, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Happy to be back.
1: Catching any smallmouth this time of year? Uh, nope. But I'm sure that you could if you tried hard enough. I bet you could. I bet you could. In the rivers? Or? I bet you could in the rivers. I mean, they gotta live. They gotta. They can't just you know disappear. They gotta live there. True. Sure. So I wouldn't do it. But, People ice fish for them. Right? They catch them all the time. So yeah. You know. Low and slow.
0: But you've never fished the big rivers this time of year for them?
1: The earliest I've ever caught a smallmouth on a fly was March 10th or 11th. It was whatever. Right. My birth. Th- my birthday is on the 26th, and I had caught it two weeks prior to that. That's early. So it was a warm spring, but uh, I did catch one in early March. So yeah. they, they're there.
0: They're yeah. there. I've caught them around Mother's Day, and I feel that's the earliest I've kind of targeted them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've just never tried in, like, April. Yeah. So I'm sure they're there. They're always willing to eat. They're always hungry. Of course. um, All right, we're going to start off talking about um, why do smallmouth get such a bad name? Why are they such
1: a controversial fish? If smallmouth didn't like to live where brook trout and salmon live, they wouldn't have such a bad name. That's a good point. But if you fish for them, you'll know that they like to live in slow moving current pools, even fast moving current sometimes behind structure. Um, and so since they were introduced, um, in the late 1800s by IFNW and the general public, they didn't realize the potential of how exploratory the fish was and the biggest mistake was IFW, or I think it was the main wildlife commission back then. It wasn't inland fisheries and wildlife. It was the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. What they did was they recruited the public to stock fish. Um, so they said, "Hey, we need your help." When you put that kind of power in people's hands, then they start to you know make their own decisions. Sure. And so smallmouth have made their way into many of our pristine trout and salmon waters, Penobscot, Kennebec, you know, Androscoggin, before, you know, before we know it as we know it today, those were pristine trout waters up and down, right? Then we had dams, whatever, smallmouth. Even now in Rangeley, there's a huge smallmouth problem. So it's not that the fishes you know, bad. It's just, it's been given a really crappy hand to play, you know? And and so they, they are encroaching on our native fish as these are invasive fish. So it's encroaching on our native fisheries. And anytime that happens, people give those fish a a bad rap, you know? So that I think is why smallmouth have a bad rap. Well, that's
0: how I know them, you know? Uh, I know them as a you know, trout fishermen first and then oh my god, these things are everywhere where trout are and they're hurting the population quite a bit and whereas you grew up, you know, fishing for them. Um so you have two totally perspective different perspectives, right? And um you know it's funny, I was thinking this week about asking you and I didn't ask you to prepare us ahead of time, I'm glad you did, but I was gonna ask you about the the history of how they got here, where because 'cause they're not native, they are invasive.
1: Do you know why they stocked them? They stocked them. This is so, this is so great. I'm glad I didn't prepare for this. I'm glad I'm knowledgeable about <laughs> <by> this <laughs> Me subject. i would be like, it "Would hey, have I'll like a real out. idiot." Yeah. Yep. The um, primarily, um, food was a big portion of it. It was a, to provide another food source. That was one of the main reasons smallmouth were stocked because they were a hardy fish, mm-hmm. and they grew to a good size quickly, and were able to survive in. Some of the places where trout were not um, able to survive their initial stocking the uh, whatever maine commission or maine wildlife commission didn't stock them anywhere where there were uh, salmonids, so anywhere there were salmon or brook trout, they would not stock them yeah because they knew enough about them that they were a predatory fish and that they would disrupt those populations. What they didn't know back then was the capabilities of fish to leave and enter water bodies and how impressive it can be. you know they, travel. They can get through the tiniest crack of water, you know, so they weren't aware of that. Um, but yeah, but food was a really main part of it. Um, I'm sure there was some game aspect to it as well to give opportunity for other, you know, for people to fish. But, uh, but yeah, in, in the late 1800s, they were seriously considered a viable food source for families. Yep. And, you know, back then... You ate what you caught and smallmouth. to catch a three pound smallmouth is not super uncommon, right. you know, but to I've catch, eaten it before. It's not bad. Right. I mean, you know, I've had it. So, um, it's yeah. While, so, so that's kind of why, that's why smallmouth are here. And, uh, you know, if we could rewind the clock, I bet they would. Yep. Um, for sure. There was wouldn't. a lot of things they would have done
0: differently yep, with our correct. fisheries.
1: But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's why they're here. And,
0: uh, cool. Yeah, thanks for the history lesson. Yeah, you're welcome. I didn't Any- I didn't uh, know if you knew, but I figured I'd ask. Anytime, so.
1: smallmouth one one Anytime.
0: Nice. Um yeah, so just, you know, growing up, I fished for largemouth and like pickerel like I did a lot of pond fishing when I was a teenager mm-hmm. with a spin rod. But the minute I got into fly fishing, for most like for most people it's like, okay, this is a fly rod and I'm supposed to catch trout on this. Like that's what you're supposed to do with a fly rod. Like yeah. that's the history of it. Um you know, smallmouth or not pushed to be caught on the fly rod so much. I think more it's more prevalent now, definitely. It's way more popular now. But um, you know, I started like fifteen years ago, I was not targeting smallmouth. I was targeting trout. So to me, as I started to learn more about the places where I like to fish for trout and the fact that smallmouth are starting to, you know, affect their population, um, to me the smallmouth became like this nasty, like, oh, I don't want I don't want to catch that thing. I don't like that thing. It took me several years to finally Go to a place where, loaded with smallmouth, there's no trout there. Yep. Okay. Talking about some of the bigger rivers in Maine here. Yep. And uh, just a blast, dude. I mean, hop in the canoe, hop in the drift boat, hop in the raft, and you just drift down a river all day in the sun. Yeah. You know, you can drink if you want, if that's your thing. I like to drink a lot of water. But at the same time, it's uh, it's just a fun fish, easier to catch than trout for the most part, I would say. Oh. But yeah. not always.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the time, yeah, a lot of the time, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, it's something that you know people spin fish for them, and they, uh, you know, they certain people are starting to fly fish for them more. But dude, I mean, it's a blast. You float in the sun all day. You're fishing like poppers and getting a ton of action. You know, it's yeah, you can't it's, really beat it.
1: So. And smallmouth are incredible fighters, mm-hmm. pound for pound, one of the toughest fighting fish in Maine. They jump. They jump, crazy acrobatics, yep. and you can catch them in difficult water. So, you know, not only are you fighting the fish, but oftentimes you're fighting a current, yep. which adds weight to the fish. So, you know, if you catch a one pound, a one pound smallmouth, it feels like, you know, a two, two and a half pound brook trout, yeah. you know, because they're just, they like to make runs. They like to dig. They just, yeah, yeah, they're fun. They're exciting. Right. And they're willing to bite a fly. Right. You know, they're, they, they're predatory fish that's willing to bite a fly. Um, on top, down low, whatever you want to yeah. do, and like the you know, and they don't usually decommit to a fly.
0: No, for if the most part. Yeah,
1: if they're going, you don't get a lot of you know what's this checkouts and turn around. No, you know yeah. once they're going, they're going, <laughs> and it's easy to pick a fly. You know, it's so easy. It doesn't even need to resemble anything half the time. But you could just throw a bait fish, right? You know, a three inch, four inch bait fish, and you're good all day long. You know, yeah. you could throw a white wooly bugger all day long and you're good. Brown, woolly, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's easy. It's a really easy, um, for fly selection. You're not thinking, you don't have to think, you don't have to sit there and be like, all right, what fly is going to work today? You know?
0: But like you were saying earlier, you do still need to know how to find them. Right. For sure. And you do like, to me, I figured out that they kind of hang in places like trout do. You know what I mean? Like they like the They like the, um, they like like riffle sections. They like the sides of, you know, like the current, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when two seams meet there, they like that soft water, too. Yeah, They don't just sit in fast stuff or slow stuff all day. Um, why, let me ask you this question. Why is it that smallmouth are found in, like, a lot of our big rivers, but largemouth aren't?
1: Largemouth don't have the same muscles or behavior patterns to survive in a river. Um, smallmouth evolved in areas where rivers were prevalent, and so largemouth didn't. Yep. And so, you know, it's just like, it's just like anything else. Those are their genetics. Those are their uh, genetic predispositions that they don't mind it. Yep. Um, they can survive in it. If you put a largemouth in a river, they will f- survive, but they'll, what they'll do is they'll seek out the slower, calmer refuge waters, yeah. you know. So they're the, not going to thrive there because no. you get a
0: lot of flooding and rivers, right, yeah. and ch- flows yeah. change. flows change,
1: and, yeah, so they're not going to thrive. And in the uh, Androscoggin River, there are largemouth in that river. Yeah. Not very many, but there are some. It's also it, some very slow sections. Yes, it's that's the only place you can find them is anywhere there's, you know, typical largemouth, the lily pads and yeah. things of that nature, really slow-moving water. Um, but, yeah, they just don't like being out there. Smallmouth... Uh, are not as hide and wait predators uh they're a little more aggressive and if you've ever seen a smallmouth feeding or attack a bait fish or something they're not just like sitting there in the weeds right. largemouth are kind of sit and wait predators where yeah. they'll sit in the weeds wait for a fish to come by and then jump out and attack it smallmouth are kind of cruising around you yeah know? They're not stationary fish. They don't just sit in the weeds like pike or no, that. They, they move a lot they move and a lot. they're they're searching for their prey. So yep. that sort of behavior, the river works much better with that behavior yep. than you know, the uh, than the sit and wait approach. Yep. So uh,
0: so yeah, so that's why you won't find them as much in rivers large mouth and just like just because bass, you know, there is a difference in a large mouth and smallmouth bass, like you can go to places and target largemouth. For sure. And you go to places and target smallmouth, and that's all you're gonna get. For sure. And, and they also, just to educate people too, though, and I'm sure a lot of people know, but can you tell us, like, what's the difference if you, like, when you catch a bass to tell the difference between a largemouth and smallmouth?
1: The smallmouth have small mouths, and the largemouth have not.
0: <laughs> that's the age-old. That's the age-old. Okay, uh, smallmouth do have
1: smaller them. mouths, but they do not have, that is, they do not have a black stripe going down the yeah. side. Largemouth have a defined, noticeable black stripe going down their side. That's the, yeah. uh, that's the telltale And they get side. a little
0: more, like, lighter white on their belly, too, sometimes I find, than yeah. smallmouth. But small they definitely mouth. have black stripes always there.
1: They large also mouth. can turn this like bronzy color. Yep. And they're called, some people call them bronzebacks. They, they're, that's another name for I like them. those
0: ones that look like they have like the tiger stripes on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, so yeah. Cool really looking.
1: colored up. Red eye. They usually have a red, red eye. eye yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, they're pretty fish. They really are. And, and largemouth have big black eyes usually. Yes, but, yeah. So don't
0: smallmouth though. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so yeah, it's, um, that's the main difference. Um, you can catch smallmouth in lakes as well. They're not, they really thrive in rivers. Yeah. Um, but you can catch them in, we have them in many lakes in Maine, always found around like rocks, Yeah. like deeper rocks, like 10 feet deep, 5 to 10 feet deep, rocky. Rocky ledges, deep boulders, stuff like that. They're not really in the weeds because they usually have to compete with the largemouth and they just can't compete with the largemouth in the weeds. So if you're in a lake, which is not, the optimal place to fish for them, I would say. It's not optimal. You can catch good-sized smallmouth in some lakes, like Sabatis or Sebago. There are huge um, smallmouth there. Um, But, yeah, if you're looking for them in a lake, big rocks, rocky ledges, 10, 15, 20 feet at uh, deepest is where I'd look for them. Um, So using, like, full sink lines. Yeah, yeah, full sink. Yeah, definitely full sink. That's not as fun as
0: using top water. No, because in the
1: river when you're chasing them they're usually in water no deeper than five feet yep you know it's all pretty shallow water that they're in um and they'll readily take a top water fly in the river yep mostly because i think a lot of this stuff that gets dropped into a river whether that's a dying fish or a frog trying to cross or a mouse trying to cross it's on top of the water things that float down that are dead get kind of pushed to the surface and they're floating so smallmouths see a lot of things on top of the water throughout the year yep. that is considered food by them so that is why i think that they are willing to frequently attack something on top because they're kind of used to that
0: yeah you ever fish from a fisherman at night
1: not like not like 12 o'clock one o'clock at night like striper late, psychopaths late in the evening though. but you know yeah like <laughs> late in the evening you know like a An hour into dark or an hour before the sun comes up. Yeah, I've done that. Does it get better? Um, Top water gets better. Yeah. You know.
0: just more willing to take a
1: risk. Yeah, yeah. same thing, you know, middle of the day, just like with all fish. Middle of the day, sun's up high, they don't want to, you know, because they're, although they're the, you know, one of the top predators in the water, they are not... um, they are not free from Mr. Osprey floating around. So they're, right. they know that, you know, they know that when they see their buddy get picked off by an Osprey, it's you know, yeah, it's a traumatic experience. So, you know, if you're looking to attack them top water style, I'd say early morning, late in the evening. Yep. Yeah, yep, for sure. All right.
0: So just to, just to not get off topic about Maine and smallmouth fishing, right? So, um, I think secretly we have some of the best smallmouth fishing in the entire country. I mean, there's guys like Lefty
1: Cray. Like Lefty Cray said this is his favorite place to come fish for smallmouth. Yeah, because it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. number one. Like the places, like if you go up um, on the Penobscot, Mm -hmm. you know, and fish for smallmouth, you can get into like pristine areas where you would think it's like the last wilderness on earth, you know, and you're fishing for smallmouth. Same thing, the Androscoggin... It has beautiful stretches of smallmouth water where, you know, it's five minutes from a major city. Right. You know, so but you don't feel like it is. When right. You don't. Right. You got when you're fall eagles over overhead, you don't yeah. see cars. Nothing, right. right. So houses. Um, I agree, and I think the the Great Lakes people would disagree. They'd be like, "You're an idiot," but those are Great Lakes people, so they don't yeah. they don't even count. Well, so. they like
0: to fish for them a lot in the lakes, though. And, yes. And, oh yeah. And uh, as far as a lot of spin gear, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think fly fishing in the Midwest. For, for bass, is super popular. I think in the south it is more, though. Mm-hmm. Like, your Carolinas and your Tennessee and your Ozarks, right? And, like, your Virginia. Yeah. So, let me ask you this question. Why do you think it's so popular there but not here? Like, why don't people flock to Maine to go smallmouth bass fishing?
1: Um, I think because Maine is not known for that. So, like, let's say if you wanted to go... See, like, great steelhead water. Mm-hmm. Where would you go? I mean, close
0: to me or just like anywhere? Any, anywhere,
1: anywhere, I anywhere. Mean, probably go to British
0: Columbia, sure, go sure. out west, sure. go out to the Pacific Northwest, probably go to New York, go state to, New York. Would you go to Ohio? Probably
1: not. Probably I know not, that it's, but they I have, know they have them. They there. have them yes. and they have yeah. great runs there, True. but they're not known for it. Right. Maine is known for brook trout, yes. landlocked salmon. Right. People want to come here because that's the sort of the allure like you know oh wow i don't have brook trout where i'm from smallmouth are pretty universal yeah. you know you can find you can find uh smallmouth in every state yeah. right but they're not huge out west, right? No, they're not they're
0: not huge populations. I mean, I'm sure they have
1: some populations that are decent and it's definitely not as vast as as Maine. You know, we have but they like, probably
0: weren't stocking them back in the eighteen hundreds for food. True. Either.
1: We have like <laughs> hundreds of miles of river right. that hold smallmouth, you right. know, and like good size five pound, four pound, three pound smallmouth. Yeah. So I think the major factor is the allure. People yeah. want to come to Maine to fish to catch something that isn't available to them. And brook trout native brook trout particularly are so infrequent throughout the u.s that that's why people want to come to maine do they want to spend a thousand dollars on lodging gas to catch something they can just catch in their own state it might not be the same setting and it might not be the same quality sure but if i'm going to spend a thousand dollars to go to a distant place to catch fish i probably wouldn't go for something you have in your backyard exactly Yeah. yeah exactly makes sense that's why, that's why I think, yeah. oh, you know, it should be more prevalent in the fly fishing world. People should know Maine as a smallmouth fishing state. And I think the real fly fishing junkies who are like, you know, crazy researchers, they probably know that. Yeah. But the general population who just want to get out, you know, maybe go on a trip every now and then, I, they don't know that because very few people push it, right? You know, very few people push it, um, and hopefully after listening to this people will realize that it is a great place, you know? And I think as things continue to devolve with our trout fisheries, I think more guides will switch from yeah, trout, They already are. Right? I
0: mean there's some guys who do they do a pretty good number of small trips, yeah. but it's not anywhere near trout trout demands. Right. You know, which makes sense for what yeah. we just talked about. So
1: and I think once that can, you know, if it continues on the trajectory that it's on, I bet a lot more guides switch to smallmouth. Because if people went on a smallmouth day, mm-hmm. I think they'd see how great it is. Yep. And it's just, it really is a lot of fun. It's really a lot of fun. So I think people would s- will see that in the future. Um, I, I mean, I guided for them for a few, I don't anymore. But I did for a while
0: down, uh, you know, around Portland because people didn't want to travel far. And it's yep. like, all right, well, it's July. You you got two options. You got stripers or you got smallmouth. That's,
1: that's the other thing. Like striper fishing gets really good right when trout fishing gets really good. Yep. They, they spawn in the spring and they put the feed bag on before the spawn and right after. And smallmouth fishing is good right through the summer Mm -hmm. all the way into October. You know, if it's, if it's a warm, warm warmish fall, it's all, it's good all the way to Mm -hmm. October. So it's like you have a great season for them. If in July, you don't want to fish for trout anymore, or August, you don't want to fish for trout anymore, you switch over to smallmouth, you know, like you said, get the canoe out, go drift, get two cars, get a buddy, go drift, uh, you know. And you're not going to see, hard, you might see another person, maybe. Maybe. But not,
0: not, it's, you're not seeing people in all the spots you like to fish. It's not no. like when you go to trout rivers and there's just people stacked up in no. the pools and stuff. No. I mean, you are, you are out there on your own. Yep. And for me, like guiding people who came here, and they're just like, I just want to go fly fishing. Oh, I've never really fished for smallmouth bass before. I've mm-hmm. never fly fished them because they th- associate fly fishing with trout. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then they've gone out, we float in the sun all day. Yeah, it's have a great day. Mm-hmm. You see bald eagles while you're out there, you don't see any people, and it's just action all day long. Yes. And so surprisingly, they're like, This was awesome. I would have never thought to
1: do this though. Mm-hmm. So that's if, where I think things need to change, you know. If you're new to the sport too. See, like with trout. You might catch, let's say you're brand new to the sport Mm -hmm. and you suck at casting. Yeah. Right? You might catch one to six, 12 inch brook trout, whatever, you know, and that's whatever. It's a good day. If you suck at casting and you go fish an eight hour day for smallmouth, (laughs) you're going to catch 50 fish. Right. You know, or whatever, you know, 25. You catch a lot. You catch a lot and you could catch a big one. You'll have a lot of, you also get to practice hook sets on them. For sure. Because you can just yank, you know, you can just yank with all your might. You know, you can set, you can do a hook, you know, you should probably strip set but you know you can do a trout set like an aggressive trout set yeah. you know so you don't need to you know yeah it's, it's easy and you can get really technical and you know you can do a whole bunch of stuff but it's easy it's as easy as just flipping a woolly bugger 20 feet near sure. near a rock in a river and stripping that back you know well, it's that easy
0: one thing i've seen in the last few years too is like this attitude shift towards smallmouth and the reason i know that is with with um you know social media blowing up Everybody loves to post fish pictures no matter what type of fish it is. But, you know, 10 years ago, and people still do, I mean, but they catch trout, right? Mm-hmm. And they lip it, put their finger in there, you know, put their thumb in there and yes. hold it up, right? Yep. And its mouth is bent back. And then they just toss it back in the water, right? Yep. I'm seeing less of that now, and I'm seeing more people holding them up with, like, two hands yes. to support the back on it, right? Yep. And they're also... Like it just tells me that people are going, you know what, these fish matter too. <laughs> the, yeah, they well smallmouth lives matter. I you know?
1: uh, yeah, like I I said in an article or something, I can't remember, but I said that it's not the smallmouth's fault that they got put here. You know what I mean? It's true. So taking your anger out like I always so on the Rapid River in uh in the Rangeley region, it's a kill the smallmouth. Yeah and you catch them you put them on the back doesn't yeah, matter the size that i have a from a fisheries perspective i have an issue with and i have a moral issue with it as well because yeah. you're you're literally taking an innocent life of a fish which people will say oh Greg, you're being a, you know you're being a softy right now but like it's a living animal and you're just killing it you know right. for what for your benefit to fish for another type of fish right you know what i mean it, it <laughs> It, I know. it it causes me a moral dilemma, and like I understand why they want to do it. The fish is invasive; they want to protect the native fishery. I get that, um, but killing every smallmouth is not the way to do it. And if you study smallmouth, you would know that that is not an effective way to control smallmouth population because of the response that they have um, to declining population numbers like that. So if they and <laughs> And they know that as fish biologists, I'm sure they do. It is not the appropriate method. So I go back to saying it's not the smallmouth's fault. It's our fault. Sure. We're punishing smallmouth right. for something that we did. Right. You know, how dumb. How well, I think
0: people are saying, how do we fix it? Because, you know, on the rapid, they're what are they doing? They're increasing flows when they're spawning, right? Yep. To try to wash out their eggs and yep. stuff. They're uh, trying to wipe out, they go scuba diving over there and stuff, right? Yep. And don't they try to wipe out their beds yep. and and stuff? And then on top of that, they tell you to kill them, like that's just yep. like catch them, kill them. And I mean, listen, you go over you go over the rapid. Sometimes and you'll see like fifteen bass just lined up, you know. And and but it seems like they're just saying we gotta decimate them as much as we can. But I don't think it's changing. Have, have, at that have you
1: fished in the summer recently at the rapid?
0: No, and I wanted to talk to you about that because I had this. I was thinking about like. Um, on the flip side of what you're saying, so to totally go against your point Mm -hmm. and like, um, (laughs) going, going against like taking care of the fish. Mm -hmm. I was like, why don't they host like, um, like bass fishing tournaments there in the summer to try to decimate. It's just too many of them.
1: So I went there this, um, not this summer, but like right on the verge of summer, you know what I mean? Like the water was still in the low, early July, low sixties. Yeah. Yeah. It was still cold enough where, you know, if you caught a trout, I wouldn't worry about it. But, and, uh, you know, we went, and I probably caught. There was a moment at in the evening, where we were fishing and kind of looking um, upstream into the pond in the river, and the entire pond was lit up with rings that looked like trout rings surfacing. Mm-hmm. So we cast to these rising fish. Each one was about, you know, a three-inch smallmouth. So I'm talking like. Thousands of yeah. of rising three inch smallmouth. Right, they're there. Yeah, the tiny ones are there. Right. You're not wiping them out
0: because you're not catching the three inch ones very often either. No, you're not when you're targeting trout. Right, you're catching the. You might ones. get some bycatch. Like I'll be over there, and if if, if I caught, let's say, eight trout, mm-hmm. I might catch one smallmouth
1: mm-hmm. for every eight trout. Trout just to just to sort of fill in. Uh, sorry, not trout. Smallmouth bass. Their response is, when you remove larger individuals from the population they they have a great adaptation that they can um that they can kind of do um to survive and that is that the maturity age will become younger and smaller yeah so as you kill the larger population off that means that the fish start to spawn at a younger age right so now the ones that we're primarily catching are the larger ones So let's say you take out all of the large fish in the population. But they're not the breeders. Well, now they're not the breeders. Before they were, but now you got rid of them all. So guess what? The young fish are now the breeders. And do you know how hard it is to wipe out small fish? It's so hard because there's... With each year class that progresses, right, you lose fish because they die from whatever causes, right? So if your spawning age is younger and younger, that means you're going to have more fish spawning. Now, they won't make as many eggs... But if there's enough Well, they're young not as easy to
0: catch either because right. they're, they're, they're in the back of the line in the pecking order. They're tough to get rid of. of. Yes. The tough big to get rid of. up front.
1: So if there's more fish at a smaller size spawning, then you might actually have an increased at egg mass Yeah, because there's just not as many older fish. So it, how it frustrates me, and I hate people who bring up problems without solutions. I do not like that at all. Right. My solution... And this, I think, is the only real way to do it is to reclaim. If you really want to do it and you really want to get rid of them, yeah, you need to reclaim it. And that I'm talking about the river. I'm talking about the river. I'm also talking about the lake. The lake. The lake is huge, massive,
0: and, and has is well known for having great smallmouth populations. Great.
1: Yep. So, how are you going to get rid of it? The only way to do it, because right now I think they're just. You know, maybe they're mitigating it and maybe they're keeping it from going out of control where it would really have a detrimental impact on the trout and salmon. But if you want to really fix it, you'd have to take a really extreme measure. I don't want them to reclaim it because that's really sad. You're wiping out potentially a lot of genetics that are valuable. With the trout. Yes. Yeah
0: but and, i mean middle dam is all that's keeping those fish though from going up into the other ranges, like your Canabago river yep. and your cups uptick and yep. places don't have bass and that would be really bad for those rivers really bad
1: yeah. so if so it's it's like a cost benefit you know yep. you could do this you could reclaim and it obviously wouldn't be great and i you know i'm not even i'm not up to date on current reclaiming practices, I'm sure there are more laws put in place than there used to be about what you can use and what you can't Isn't use. Isn't there uh, like ro- what's that called rota Rhoda, rota then, What do they use? I've I'm, it's I'm, like a plant that I'm not that they use. I'm not sure what they even use now. But no. it's the way they used to do it is basically a chemical and it suffocates the fish basically. Yeah. Um it like attaches to the oxygen so they can't can't breathe it. Yep. But you know, I'm not sure how they would do it today.
0: Are the, there are there other places in Maine like the Rapid River where they encourage killing
1: smallmouth? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Um,
0: that's a very publicly known oh, study yeah. for people who have never read it. Like the Rapid River smallmouth problem is a huge study that was done what in the two thousands?
1: Yes. Right? Yeah, mid mid two thousands. Yeah, I think it, or early mid er, yeah. like two thousand, two thousand four, I think. Yeah. But, but it's time. well known
0: and and it's um, you know, it's a it's a problem there. But I mean even what, 18 years after that thing. I mean, we yeah. fish over there sometimes. We still do pretty well for I, trout. I mean, it's yeah. not... Oh, yeah, yeah. The trout, it's not as
1: bad as they make it out to be in some ways, but... But you know as well, and anyone that can read the study, that the spawning trout that come to that river are not a lot of fish. Right. Total abundance. It's very, solid. very low. Yeah. Like, it's teetering. You know what I mean? It's it's on an edge. So, it's in the hundreds. Yes, it's on the thousands. It's not in the thousands. It's in the hundreds. Yeah. So, like you know, that's tough. So it's tough. That area, the rangeley region.
0: But, but it, an area like that with a well publicized, um, I guess the point we're trying to get to is a well publicized report about smallmouth being like bad invasive and mm-hmm. it's hurting like one of the last big brook trout holes in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what puts a bad mouth, on, bad name on smallmouth because people, aren't, sure. dumping him an people yep. aren't dumping on them being in the River. People aren't dumping on them being in the Przomsky River, like Penobscot. Yeah, I mean people they love it. It's great. It's it's a good spot for them. But um, when they start to mix, it's that's right. when they get it's a bad name. Them. Yeah, right. and so, like trout are never going to get a bad name. Be like, oh, there's trout and smallmouth wars. We
1: gotta get rid of them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the so, it that way. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and I I don't want any smallmouth in the Rapid River. You know what I mean? Sure. If I could snap my fingers and kill all of them instantly, sure. I would do that in a heartbeat, you know, but... It's a thing that happened,
0: and it's really, really hard to undo. So Maybe impossible.
1: Fish fish are so hard to yeah. undo. So difficult. Yeah. And, like, I think one of the possible steps to take is um, there's, there's new technology for a few animals where they basically put um, individuals that when they breed, all of their offspring die. So they're genetically modified to uh, mosquitoes. They do it with mosquitoes. Um, it's sort of like birth control for yeah. animals. Yeah. So I think in the next 10 to 20 years, I think maybe that will leap into the fish conservation. So we might be able to release smallmouth mm-hmm. who have genes that when passed on are detrimental. Um, and so that would be a way to ensure that, you know, of the spawning, you know, If they can be successful, then many of the offspring will die without even hatching. They won't even reach success. They'll just die as an egg. Yeah. Um, That, I'm hopeful that they come up with a strategy like that that is not intrusive, something where you don't even need to approach the brook trout and salmon. Right. Because reclaiming, you know, you need to kill everything goes and then you start from scratch. Yeah. And then even then, not everything goes, you know, like sometimes a fish or two, you know. So it's tough. That region is tough. But, yes, they get a bad rap. And, you know, it's unfortunate. um, It's unfortunate because smallmouth are such a great fish. Mm -hmm. They're a great fish. And if they could be contained into places where they couldn't have detrimental effects on our native fisheries... That would be so great. It would be
0: fantastic.
1: It would be and so great. I know I sound like a wishing well, but, you know, that is where I think management should start moving is, okay, how – because there's really no management on right. I think you can keep like 25 or whatever. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what it is. But there's no management. There's no on, limits in a lot of places. There's no management. And so I think that what Maine should start doing, and this would, I think, help people get, get – fly fishermen and, and rod and reel guys alike to come to Maine to fish for them and start managing for smallmouth. You know there are ways to do it. They're obviously not doing it now. Right. Because the population is doing fine, but it could be better. Well they don't promote smallmouth like the state doesn't promote smallmouth fishing and it
0: kind of looks at it gets they, looked, don't. they get looked at as a trash fish.
1: They don't they don't promote our Largemouth population, which is also thriving, our yeah. smallmouth population, which is thriving. Pike. Our pike, which is we have humans. they get a bad name too though, because of they've they been they've been in the waters where there's salmon. You but know. you know, again, that's not their fault, you know. So right. but if but we're not managing them. We're just killing them. That's yeah. all. So it's like it's time to take a reality check. You've been trying to kill out the smallmouth in the rapid for twenty years. You have not even made a dent. Yeah. You haven't even made a dent. Right. Time to take a reality check and switch up. If something's not working for 20 years, yeah, don't you think it's time to maybe switch it up a little bit? Right. And, and, it's a qu-
0: and also, here's the other thing, though. That was a cool study. It was done oh. 20 years ago, but there's no follow-up what's, on it now.
1: Right, what's been done since? You know? And if there has been studies, they're not publicly available, right. which is bad. Right. That's bad. Well, I think yeah. that
0: one of the guys who led the study no longer, I think he passed away. And, it's unfortunate. And so it's, it's like no one picked it up or whatever, but it would be interesting wouldn't it at least if anything of just course. be like uh hey the small population looks like it's the same or it's seems like it's less or it's more like of it'd course. be nice to know you know but
1: and they should also really do this kind of uh studying on smallmouth because like in the Kennebec they're considering taking out all these dams right I think we've all seen the pictures and heard about the recently yeah yeah because yeah, some, con- some contracts that are up. yeah yeah the dams need relicensing and um So when I was, way back when, when I was in college, um, I was lucky enough to work electrofishing the Penobscot to look at fish communities pre and post dam removal. So Mm -hmm. that was when they took the dams out on the Penobscot. And it's crazy how much the smallmouth are going to move if those dams on the Kennebec
0: Taken well, out. that was my question for you. If they take those names down, their intent is to be able to allow sea run fish to go as far up as like Farmington yep. to spawn, right? Because yep. there's really gravelly yep. river bottom up there, sandy. The, yeah, right. Yep. So with that though, you're also unleashing pike. Yep, yep. in pike, the Kennebec, and smallmouth and smallmouth for sure, and gonna let them go up and yep. go to areas where you have a, still a decent native trout population. I mean, Absolutely. the Sandy River gets stocked too.
1: Yeah, for sure. But I mean, they're they're gonna so. And, like, you know, even in the forks, they're smallmouth up by the sure. forks. Yeah. And, or whatever, you know, Jackman. Aaron, they have, and, them Musa. they, yeah, they
0: have them in Moosehead. Yeah, they have them in Moosehead. They're all over the place.
1: Yeah. So, like, for me, smallmouth, it's, you're right, it's, it's so dumb that Maine doesn't promote these fish because they're everywhere.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and they're huge. Like, in Moosehead, there are massive smallmouth, right. like, human. So, by fishing for them. It's not going to make the smallmouth population any better. Right. Do you know what I mean? So what is the harm in promoting them? Like you're already not doing anything for them. Yeah. You're you're only promoting to kill them in one area, you know, and maybe another area. So like what's the harm in promoting economic growth for sure. fisheries? Yep. Yeah. And that helps the towns that are around where these things are. I mean, of course. you go to a place
0: like Lisbon, right? Yeah. Like Lisbon's not exactly the most no. prestigious town in Maine, but if you bring some stuff in there i mean i mean look at these towns that, that have, just have trout i mean they like rely on yes literally, the trout fishing and it makes some places yeah. nicer because use this
1: so. rangely you yeah. know those like if those places didn't have trout they probably would it'd, be nothing it'd be a lot different right so different. like you know durham yep lisbon all those that stretch where there's like nothing you know you have yeah. freeport we have the Andersgog, and you have the kennebec and the penopsis
0: so all the towns along the way on all those could easy be, could be all pumping. those you know i mean if this was montana like we have like we have like smallmouth rivers, like Montana has trout rivers, right? Sure.
1: That was well said.
0: So you have all these little like towns and stuff that would be thriving. Yep. Now let me throw this out here to promote smallmouth. Also, this really cool thing that I was thinking about the other day. I've never done it, and I want to know if you have. So the Kennebec gets stripers that go up pretty far, right?
1: Yep. yep. Because Good. the yep. Edwards
0: Dam was blown out. Yep. In the nineties, and they they go up. I don't. Know, they go up past Augusta. Pretty they? far, yeah. Okay. And the Penobscot has them in. Old Town now. In Old Town, okay. Old Town. So let me ask you this question.
1: Think about how far that is.
0: This is a cool thing to think about. You can be targeting stripers and smallmouth in the same water. Same water. Same water. How cool is that? And pike. And pike? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Those are some big game fish that are hard fighting. And I think it's cool to be like, hey, I'm going to target, you know, stripers striper stay with a clouser. Well, you could also get a nice 5-pound smallmouth. Imagine... Right you know, you're trying to sell... Have you done it? That's my question. Have I, what? Have you, like, have you gone to these places where there's, like, stripers and smallmouth um, that coexist?
1: So, yes, yes, but not... So, I, the last time I fished in an area where stripers and smallmouth coexisted was the second year that they were able to coexist. Interesting. So, I never caught any stripers up there, but I knew they were there because i had seen some people, you know, catch smallmouths, yeah. little schoolies, but... Um, now I know they're up there in, like, good numbers. It's a sweet opportunity if you think of about it, though. How easy is it to sell to a customer or, you know, somebody from Massachusetts, hey, come fish for a day. You have an opportunity to catch a striper, mm-hmm. a smallmouth bass, and a pike. And pike all in the same water. All in the same day. Yeah. All in the same pool if you want. Probably. True. How, you know, how much easier? So now you're just bringing money into a state that desperately needs it right now so bad yep and it you're already not doing anything for pike right you're doing nothing for smallmouth yeah right
0: all these in between in between towns in maine like you have your coast like you got acadia you mm -hmm. got portland you got your you know southern beaches here in maine that stuff brings in money then you get your mountains where people go skiing snowmobiling there's some fly fishing up there Mm -hmm. right but but in between those two places, yep. you have so much great smallmouth water, but those places do not bring in tourists.
1: No, because there's nothing. You know, there's nothing there. Like I'm just, so I'm just gonna read off some some towns here: Livermore, mm-hmm. right? Jay, J, mm-hmm. uh, Wilton, Canton, Mexico, Rumford, Peru. Like all, oh, these, are all the Andri- these are
0: all the these are all the Androscoggin towns. Right?
1: Those are all the Androscoggin towns. Yeah. How badly could they use an extra fifty to hundred tourists? Coming in, you know the yeah. difference for a small mom and pop shop. You know, fifty extra tables right. to serve a year, hundred right. extra tables served a year. That's a big difference mm-hmm. for a lot of these businesses. Yeah,
0: and, and you got people who need to rent housing there. Right, you got people who yep. who Hotels, want to
1: obviously eat. Gas. And
0: you could have a fly shop there. You know, tackle shop.
1: Durham, Lisbon, Lewiston, I mean, Green. These Turner. are all these
0: are all old run down mill towns that don't that people don't live there as much anymore because the mills have closed. There's not as many jobs. Yeah. I mean, what a cool way to be able to pump some life back into some cool oh, some yeah. spots in Maine that are, you know, and people look at them, and they go, oh, my God, there's a huge mill right there, and the river looks gross, whatever, sure. but listen, that, like, that river, it's pretty sweet,
1: man. Oh, Andro is, that's the river I grew up fishing. Yeah. You know, so I've been fishing that for, whatever, 20, 20 years-ish, you know, 20 yeah. plus years, and you know, they have, for me, I think it's the best smallmouth fishing in the state.
0: Yeah. Right I know Penobscot.
1: it. I know it. I think so. And I fished the Penobscot a lot. You know, I went to UMaine, so yeah. I fished it a lot. And I think the Andro is better, but I mean that's up for debate. But if you want to get away from the mills and the towns, then you can go to Pasadumkeg, Greenbush, Howland, Lincoln, yes. Chester, Mattawamkeg. like the, Hamel, Hanover. These are People you know all the way up. You can go all the way up the Penobscot, all the way up to you know wherever medway medway oh medway. you're talking, I thought you were yeah, talking yeah, Z, those, yeah yeah those yeah the penobscot that like metawam keg all of those you know whatever you know names there that are hard to, once you hit those names that are hard to pronounce the smallmouth fishing is like surreal yeah it's great smallmouth fishing and you're in like the wilderness you right. know there are no houses there's no mills it's just trees and yeah. you feel like you're on a blue ribbon out west stream but you're fishing for smallmouth right you know so it's like that should be easy to sell. It's just nobody is really selling it on a grand scale. Right. There are some guides, you know, local yeah. guides that sell it to, you know, whatever, a couple customers or whatever. But, I mean, I'm talking like... On a if, grand scale. If you ask somebody in Colorado who's never been to Maine, hey, what's Maine known for for fly fishing? They would say Brook Trout, Right. For sure. Right. They should also say Brook Trout, Landlocked Salmon, obviously, yeah. and Smallmouth. Right. That's probably our... It's better than stripers. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, yeah. As far as like fisheries well, goes, like we're bigger,
0: looking. The opportunities are greater. There's more water. It should be our third biggest fishery. Yeah. And it's like all, it's like from May through like October too. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to wait on tides like you do in the ocean and all let that me, stuff.
1: Let me clarify just for all the striper heads out there. <laughs> I don't like fishing for smallmouth more than stripers, but I'm talking about the quality of the fishery. So the quality of the fishery for smallmouth in Maine comparative thriving. It's thriving, is unbelievable. The quality of the striper fishing in Maine comparative to other places in the country is not as good. Say the right. Cape, you know, it's not as good. Right. So that is that. If just, I had to pick just to one. Clarify. Just just to clarify. I don't want to get killed. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want anyone to, to to bite my head off. All right, I think I think
0: that's some awesome smallmouth bass talk. Everything we just talked about history, we just talked mm-hmm. about controversy, we just talked about um, You know why they're so great to catch. Um Let's tell people now how you know how do we target them? When do we target them? Where? What are the type of places we target? Them? We won't name bodies of water too much um, because I mean you know, we
1: can. I don't I don't mind naming smallmouth bodies. I don't
0: think anybody minds, but there can there there probably are guys out there like don't be mentioning my honey holes for, for I mean, bass. I mean there are probably not many people like that, but I mean
1: <laughs> okay I'll use areas, but I will say rivers. I will like we've yeah. already said the Andro, the Kennebec, and the Penobscot are all. And and any I mean, of those long, any of those rivers, you can basically put in a canoe at any spot. Be careful of whitewater. We had a little issue earlier. <laughs> don't be, <laughs> be do sure airing out my
0: don't be airing out my poor uh, rower skills. On the, make, well, on the air, yeah, air. it was kind
1: of your fault, but also kind of not. But True. make sure that you look at water flows, the flows first before you go. But you can dump a canoe in with your buddy at any of those. Rivers: Penobscot, Kennebec, uh, Androscoggin, yep. and float for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten miles right. if you want. But then, dude,
0: you, you got them in the Belgrades with all the rivers up there. Yeah. you got them all these rivers right. like the Presumpscot and yeah. like oh yeah, there's a ton. Just ton of these smaller rivers too. So
1: it's not like you have Little, to be on
0: these big floaty
1: rivers any, either. Any river that connects, if you're trying to you know catch them by uh, on foot rather than in a boat or something, yeah. any smaller river that connects to the Andro the Penobscot, or the Kennebec, yep. will hold smallmouth. Yep. So, you know, if you're looking where it to target right them. right in Portland on the Penobscot River. Right, like, course. literally. Yeah. So, if there's anywhere <laughs> that you're looking, uh, if you want to look at tribs, yep, connecting to the big three, that's a great place to start. And again, yeah, there's a thing. Smallmouth, they're like everywhere. Just everywhere. They are. They are. But, if I were to pick three rivers that I could only fish for smallmouth, it would be the... The main stem of the, the big, Kennebec, the Penobscot, and the Androscoggin. Yeah, makes sense. That's your chance to catch. Like well, you, and they're beautiful. You're not around people either. Yes, you're out there. You have an opportunity. Like I, I have had hundred fish days. Yep. On the Androscoggin. Yep. Where I catch a hundred fish in a day. Yep. It's I've like, never hit that number, but it's very. It is possible. Super possible. And you're just. Still, a long. It's like a twelve-hour day, but you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean. I never fish that long. But long. it's like you know, it's it's possible. That's and awesome. I, yeah. So as far as timing goes. So, yeah. So take us, take us through your season. When do you
0: start? What type of waters are you, are you starting out on for the year? And then get into techniques and flies that you use for that time of year too. without giving give away any of your big secrets. Or I anything. start
1: as soon as the ice comes out on those rivers. Yep. Do I catch anything? Sometimes. Sometimes not. But I, I'm pretty much ready to go. And, I'm just, and the
0: flows are good, too, because sometimes yeah, you have yeah, some blowout Yes, yes, and yes.
1: I'm just itching to go, you know. And I don't catch a lot of stuff. I basically, early season, I'll pair the season and technique and flies. I'll pair them. Yep. Early season, what I do is I use a full sink, and I usually throw, like, a crayfish pattern um, and just slowly strip it on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Or... I'll use um, like intermediate sinking line, and I'll use a small bait fish, something flashy, white, gold, silver, something flashy, and I'll really strip it slowly. So I want it to be kind of in the middle of the water column and really strip it slowly. And at that point, at that point, smallmouth are looking for deep boulders. The best time to go early, so like you know March, April, May. The best time to go is on a really sunny day, mm-hmm. and go at like one p.m., two p.m. Because what happens—the warmest part of the day. For what me. happens is the rocks in the bottom of the river have been warming up all day. Mm-hmm. So if you can find deep boulders, they the water surrounding those deep boulders might be just a little bit warmer because the rocks have been collecting that uh, radiating heat from the sun. If it's a cloudy day, this obviously doesn't work. But I find that on early season, really sunny days, one to two, fish will congregate around boulders in like 10 feet of water. Mm-hmm. Slowly stripping a crayfish by that boulder has been my most productive way to fish for early season smallmouth. Nice. That is what I find in, you know, again, March is extreme, but whatever. March, April, May. Yep. Those are the really the only two methods I use. Um, early, early, early. See, April's such a tough month
0: because they haven't really stocked fish in the southern part of the state here. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff's in gridlock up north. Is it a good month to target smallmouth? I mean, you're trying to get the itch off, right? You're like, I gotta get out, If you want to catch a fish... Yeah.
1: It's probably your best bet. It's one of the better bets you can have because if you can... Also, if you're looking for a place all year, anywhere there's a dam above and below the dam Mm -hmm. because there's always a lot of structure... Above and below, usually from the construction of the dam. Mm -hmm. They have to blow stuff up, they have to put stuff down. There's there's
0: logs get hung up over there over the years. Yes, so there's
1: always a lot of stuff. So, above and below dams. And obviously, you know, in between is fine and whatever. But if you can get to a spot that's close to a dam, um, there's a very, very good chance that you're going to find a lot of smallmouth, especially if it's rocky. So, early, early season, look for slower moving water. If any moving at all, if you can find like a deep pocket or at the very end of a run, but it's very, very little movement because the fish, they're warm water fish. So they don't like to move around in the cold water. They're kind of like me. They hate cold weather. So they just don't want to move. Like you don't, you know, wintertime, you don't want to do anything. You just want to sit inside. They're kind of the same. Right. So that's my early season tactics. Once it hits like mid-May in southern Maine, you know, even central Maine, mid-May, late May, That's kind of like go time. That's when you can, if you can hit pre-spawn, they usually spawn in like May, June in that kind of area, depending on your river. Sure. If you can hit it pre-spawn, that's fantastic because they're really aggressive. Like it's their first time that they're like, all right, I'm ready to move around. I'm ready to go. Pre-spawn, they'll hammer anything that goes by them. Yep. Bait fish. So it's like
0: metabolism rate up or something. Yes, so just they're more hungry. yes,
1: they're just ready to go. Yeah, and they got to put on pounds because they're about to spawn. Right. So, I spawning fish. I've never seen a spawning smallmouth. You know, I know it's similar to a largemouth where they kind of find a gravelly area and a nest. Kind, they make kind of nest. But I mean, you've seen them
0: like sitting on their bed. Yes. that's after. the yes. Fact, right? yes.
1: yes, yes, yes. But I've never seen them like doing the business, so yeah. to speak. But when you see them, if you do get to see them and they're on a bed, don't, do not fish for them. Like, it's just not, you know what, you can do whatever you want, I suppose. I don't want to tell you what to True. do. But well, it, I was going to ask you that. Is I it ethical it, to fish for them on their beds? Do you want someone fishing for you while you're on your bed? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. Well, fish are a lot, lot lower on the hierarchy. Well, I mean, I guess. Maybe it's for you. Yeah. but Well, most of the world, but I agree with you. I think they should be moved up the totem pole a little. I, I do not think that you should fish for, do you think it's okay to fish for brook trout on reds? No, no, you don't.
0: No, but you
1: think not. it's okay to fish for bass on on on
0: their beds? I don't, I don't think it is, but I would. I'd be more if you were like you got to choose between the two. I'm gonna fish
1: for the smallmouth on their bed. Do you see why that's illogical? Yeah. It's okay. A, yeah. It's a well, as control. long as you can recognize, right? It, you know, yeah. that's important. That's a, that's actually very important. Well, as long such as you can as fish racism. So. I f- I agree. As long yeah. as you can acknowledge your bias that is important
0: you well know? with that being said okay mm-hmm. if it's something that i like to do and do it a lot mm-hmm. then to me that's very unethical like why would i piss off the the of course the mother yes who's sitting there over the yes. eggs who can it, can it also takes population? it
1: also takes no skill yeah and part of it for me is you know why i like fly fishing is it's it takes skill like mm-hmm. it's a you know it's a practice um, when you fish
0: from on their beds don't you just like Kind of throw in their face and they you, get pissed off and
1: and like when you fish for them on their beds, you don't need any skill. They're not biting it to eat it. Yeah, they're biting it to remove the threat from their offspring. Right. You know, and so it's like you're taking advantage of that innate behavior. Yeah, you're not fooling them. No, you're not. Food that you're they're not. supposed to be eating. If a if you dropped a you know a poker chip mm-hmm. down on their bed, they would pick it up with their mouth and move it. Yep. So yep. you're not fooling them. You're not special don't fish for fish while they're spawning, yeah. you know? Like, it's, I, I find it unethical. If anyone wants to, you know,
0: disagree <laughs> with me, feel free. I have plenty of you're arguments. Like, you're, like, almost teetering to the point of, like, that people who are, like, catching fish is horrible. You're putting a hook in their mouth and you're hurting them. And Yeah,
1: it's... there. Like, like, fish huggers. No, there's a, there's a huge difference between, you know... I understand that we're, you know, we are shoving a sharp object through their mouth. Right. And I'm guilty of that. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. I'm sadist to some extent. You know, yeah. like, you're inflicting pain on another animal for your yeah. benefit. You're not that however, far down the wormhole. However, <laughs> however, there are boundaries. You know, there are definite boundaries. And fishing for fish who are spawning is one of my hard boundaries. Right. And especially for smallmouth because you're not fooling them. If you're fishing for a brook trout. I think it's I actually think the opposite. I think it's better to fish for brook trout on a red because if you're using, let's say you're using a, a dry fly when mm-hmm. they eat that dry fly, they hungry. at least think that it's food. Right. With the bass, they're doing it to protect their offspring. Right. How awful of a person do you have to be to pluck <laughs> <laughs> to to take advantage of a, a maternal and paternal instinct yeah. just to hold it. Not that's great. a that's a bad person.
0: It's not great. It's but, not I mean, great. You could also like like fishing is such a hard thing because there's no other like there's no other activity in the world like it. Like animals, you don't just like hook them and drag them in and then throw them back out like you kill them. So with fish, it's just this weird thing of like, "Hey, I'm just going to hook you and play <laughs> with you for a minute and then send you back." But I'm not I'm trying not to harm you too much, not to kill you.
1: My comparison to hunting would be would you shoot a buck who is mounted a doe? No. I would not. No. Right, of course no. not. Would you shoot it immediately after it falls off and it's done? P- potentially, yeah. <laughs> see, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? The, yeah. the line is is clear. Right, but and I like to eat deer meat. I don't like to eat fish. The line is it's clear, thing, and I think it's clear for fish too. I don't yeah. think that you should be, anyways, that's a tangent. That's, that's good, no. I that's mean, that's listen, people
0: people go nuts about people fishing on reds. I, it's, it's it's horrible. Yeah, it's they're crazy. They're trying to reproduce. You know, people yeah. get ripped apart for it. But it should be that same way for bass too. I mean, especially in these places where we're talking about them not being invasive. Also, like if you're if you're fishing from them in places where this is their home, yes. they're the ones who rule the place.
1: Yes, Cargan River from point. Durham, Lewiston, Lisbon. Like, it's a good point. They are not. That's where they live. Yeah. Those are those are basically. The native fisheries there now, you know, or or whatever. I self-admittedly
0: have fished for them one time on their beds, but I was not guiding and I was not telling the people to do it. I was with, (laughs) I was with other people and, uh, we did it, and it was interesting to see, though, because at least when you're talking about, it, at least I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Where they just get pissed off, and they yeah. just came off their bed to go yeah. get it. Yeah. But dude, they would, you know, you'd catch them and then release them, and they circle right back around, right go back, back to their bed. You but could, then you could almost re-catch them again. Oh, you
1: could. You could re-catch them yeah. all day long because yeah. it's not a feeding behavior; it's an innate protective, protective behavior. Right. It's so. Crazy. So that's why I think it's you know it's just not right. I just you're right.
0: I don't, I don't I don't disagree with you. I don't you think know? it's right. And like, I'm not perfect.
1: Yeah. You know, no, like, and the other thing is people who do it, I'm just not sure that they are educated on that fact, what we just talked about. True. And so I think if they look at it from that perspective, they might say, you know what, I guess I can wait a week. I mean, it only lasts a couple of days, you know, a week, you know what I mean? It doesn't take long for them. They're on their beds for a week and right. then they're off. Right. So you take a week off in in May. It's you know prime trout season. Go fish right. for trout, like you know. So and usually it's like
0: when they're doing this. Isn't it like second week of June usually? Yeah, like you know, it's, it's when they're on their beds. It's it's
1: prime, it's prime trout season. Yeah, when they're on their beds. Okay. So go fish for trout. So know?
0: So PSA, go fish for trout with everybody else in the second week <laughs> of June, <laughs> and, so, and then go go back to the bass. So after or you
1: you can you can target bass during that time. Just, sure. just don't fish. On a spawning bed. And is it just the females holding on the beds? Um, That is a great question. I do not know. I don't know. And they're not all holding on beds during that time, though. No, the other no, point. no, 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 there's, no. There's plenty of fish to be caught. Like, I, I fish right. for smallmouth during that time. Right. But I just don't fish. Because you can, you can see them. You, you can know? see them, yes. So I just... Shallow and yes, it's shallow, gravelly, or right. sandy. Like, you know, it, so you can, you can still fish for smallmouth during that time. Right. Just if you see one on a bed don't drop your fly on, on on the bed and if you can't see the bed and you are fishing and you just keep
0: catching the same smallmouth over and over <laughs> yeah and it's the second week of june <laughs> then they're
1: probably on a bed so so yeah so anyway so that was a long long winded conversation a good nah, one it's i important. think a good one but so after that early season then it's like you know mid mid june july august are like prime time
0: yeah that's do you ever find it's just like my thing with that time of year because I have fished a lot in July and August for mm-hmm. them. You go out one day, it's eighty degrees, sun's up. You know, you get out early for them. Usually starts out better in the morning because it's just yep, calm, sure. right? Yeah. And uh, and I'm I'm not one to be. An, I'm not a smalling expert, but I will say to you one of my favorite things to do in, in all of fishing is throwing poppers for smallmouth. Mm. Oh yeah, and fun. early morning is best generally. Yeah, for for sure. Totally agree. But my thing is, I dude, I've had days where, like, you go out and, like you said, you just slam 40, 50 fish. All, all day. You go out the next day, fish the same areas mm-hmm. and the same conditions, and have, like, I don't know, half of that or even less. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's up with that?
1: That drives me nuts. Smallmouth. <laughs> see, I like smallmouth more than largemouth because I think largemouth are the dummies of the bass. Yeah. Like, they just they don't care at all well, they have no let rhythm me, let me throw no back to you when rhythm. i was
0: younger and i was fishing for largemouth we'd go to the, we'd go to the same pond and we'd go three nights in a row yep. and it would be like same fishing every night every and that's what night. i loved about it it was like constant action yeah but with that being said with smallmouth it's different cuz i think smallmouth are almost more towards like trout like habit, habits in some ways than sure. largemouth i agree totally or right in the middle
1: i agree totally they one they like to feed at night mm-hmm. because again it goes back to the way that they hunt they're not sit and wait. So largemouth, they can they'll feed all day because as long as you put it out front of their face where they think they can get to it before it gets away from them, then they'll bite it. Mm-hmm. Smallmouth are not that way. They're cruise. They don't like. They're cruising around looking for schools of baitfish, looking yeah. for crayfish. Right. Like so, they're around
0: structure, but they also are cruising around yeah, a lot though. But
1: yeah, right. And the reason you know most of their food hangs around structure, so that's why they can be found mostly on so the reason they like to use the cover of darkness that's why mornings night and late in the evenings are great they don't like it when the sun is up because their their prey can see them coming from a long ways away right so um yeah so that so anyway so in the in the summer that's go time anywhere there's a current a rock a riffle a seam a big pool i mean like anywhere mm-hmm. like literally anywhere in the river yeah. you can find a small amount. yeah and Flies, like you said, poppers. I use a monstrous popper. Like, really. I use like a six inch. It's a white. It's all white. Uh, I use a double barrel popper. It's actually a slider. It's my slider. You can probably search it on my YouTube page, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's a monstrous. It's like six inches. Yeah. Smallmouth just inhale it. They love it. Interesting. I love. Using was just
0: it just the little ones. What's the uh, doodlebugs? Yeah, what they call those them? little. Yeah, those little.
1: They got the. Sp- they got the, the hackle around the, hackle the middle around and they got some legs the on them. Yeah. yeah. So. But you catch a ton of uh, bluegills that way too. A ton. Yeah. And so. But you catch a lot thing. of. When I go now, I don't want to catch a one pound smallmouth. Right. Like I have no interest in catching a one pound yeah. smallmouth. I want to catch a four pound smallmouth. And so if you want to weed out. Because there will be times where you, you just catch some little ones. Because mm-hmm. there's so many of them. Yeah. So you'll catch these little, you know, whatever, pss, nine, ten, twelve inch ones. You know. I want like. 18 to 20, 22-inch, you know, smallmouth. And Pigs, we call them. Yes, yeah. And so I weed those small ones out by using just monstrous flies. Nice. And smallmouth seem to have a no problem with taking a monstrous fly. So, like, in the summertime, you know, things like woolly buggers, uh, leeches, crayfish, three to four-inch baitfish, those are all great. And you'll catch fish nonstop on all of those. Um but if you want to catch a monster, a pig, then increase your, your fly size. Nice. That's, that's, but also time of day too, right? Sure. Yeah. Like you want to be out there high noon. Yeah. Don't go out there at high noon. Go out there at the best times. Morning. Like I know it's tough. It's tough for me at least to get up before the sun does and go fish for smallmouth. You know, like, it's just like, that goes against everything you've been saying for the last hour. I okay. Well, here's the thing. It's tough <laughs> for me because I've been fishing for them for twenty years. Yeah. You know what I mean. So right. like, I've caught five plus pound smallmouth. Right. You know, like I've.
0: I caught, know what you're saying. I'm so, listen. I'm that way with brook trout now too. I'm not always either. like, oh, I have to go to this body of water because I catch the biggest brook trout. Right. I go to like smaller bodies of water and catch smaller ones. Right. And like whatever. You know yeah. whatever.
1: So, but if you want to catch a big one in the summer, in those those months, those summer months. Just increase your fly size. And I'm talking like, you know, two-aught, three-aught, six to nine-inch flies. Jeez. Try it out. Yep. You don't believe me? Try it out. And then if it doesn't work, you can say, you know what, you're a liar. Or, you know, come with me if you want to, you know. What are you fishing? A seven-weight? I'm fishing. Fishing flies that big? Yeah, definitely a seven-weight for sure. Um, When I'm fishing the. Number one fly that I've caught the most smallmouth on is called the Big Jerk, is what it's called. Again, you can see it on my YouTube page. It's called the Big Jerk. It's a craft fur bait fish, mm-hmm. and it's like four inches, you know, it's something like that. It's just got a great uh, bait fish profile, and you can just catch a zillion fish on it. So talk about that time of yeah. year, like
0: summer, because that's where most people go for them and target them anyways. um So you get a seven weight rod using floating line. What's your leader setup? Do you use tippet? Do you, you know, how do you, how
1: do you manage all that? Um, So I usually use a seven. If I'm not, if I'm using, um, sometimes I use intermediate. If I'm just fishing a, I usually bring two rods. I bring one that's a seven weight with seven weight floating line so I can chuck huge poppers. Mm -hmm. And then I usually bring a six weight um, with slow sinking, uh, intermediate. Mm-hmm. So it just gets, you know, maybe a foot or two beneath. And you're throwing like unweighted flies usually on yes. the sink to Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, so I just, I want it like, you know, cause usually I'm fishing again in five feet of water, six mm-hmm. feet of water, 10 tops. So I don't want it to be a heavy sink in the summer, especially the smallmouth are willing to attack. So, um, so yeah, so my first rod, Seven weight floating line, I usually have because I'm throwing bigger flies. I usually have a short leader and it's usually zero X. Mm -hmm. And for that, it's usually like 12 pound mono or 12 pound, you know, fluoro, something like that. Just simple. That's it. Um, I don't use a clip on the end, but a lot of guys I know use a clip just because smallmouth don't seem to care too much if there's a clip on the end or not. But since it's just straight mono, I don't use a leader. Some guys use a swivel. You know, yeah, you right? You yeah, yeah. The end, yeah. Those little black yeah. Since it's mono, I just carry a spool, a little like ice fishing spool, mm-hmm. you know, of 12 pound mono with me. That's it. Seagar sure. or whatever, you know, that's it. Um, and then my second setup would be a six weight with slow sinking intermediate. I'm going to be throwing slightly smaller flies with that um, and slightly lighter flies because there won't be a chunk of foam on it or anything. Right. So I'll have, you know, I'll still do 0x. But I'll probably drop it down to like eight pound test or something, yep. um, and then my leader will be like five, six feet long. Okay, you know, a little longer, something yep. like that. Because yep. they still, I still use some bulky flies. So if, if you know, if you have a nine foot leader, it's really tough to get that fly to turn over. Yep. So and smallmouth are not leader shy. Yep. Like you know, it, they're not leader shy. So what do you?
0: Uh, what if you, you know if you're cutting back? And you're down to three feet or something or four feet. Probably don't get down lower than that, but what are you using for a, a leader to tippet connection? What do you what type of knot do you like for a for smallmouth fishing?
1: Um, if I'm going leader to tip it, yeah. Then I'll use a double surgeons knot. Okay. Cool. It's super quick. Yep. And it's rugged yep. and it's super strong. Blood knots. <sighs> I have a love hate relationship yeah. with, with blood knots. I get it. And they take so much time. Yeah, some people can really just whip through them.
0: Well, Rio Rio had like some study. The Rio fly line said some study was like fifty six percent breaking strength for blood knots and it was like fifty eight percent for double surgeon. Yes. but the the knots that they say are really strong are a perfection loop to a perfection loop.
1: That so when I I do to my fly line, mm-hmm. I do perfection loop. Yeah, every time. Sure. For everything. Yeah, and, and most and are
0: set up that way now. They yes, have, they have a friction loop
1: on them. And I don't do perfection to tippet to. Uh, leader, but yeah. I'll do perfection loop to my fly. You know, yes. I'll tie. I'll do the. You know, um, perfection loop to the fly. So, not all the time, but if I'm using a bait fish, I try to. Yeah. Just because it gives it a little more wiggle room, you know. Um, but if I'm using a crayfish, like I won't. I'll do what's called a fisherman's knot, or, yeah. or you know, it's a variant of the fisherman's knot. It's like not exactly the fisherman's knot, but. Um,
0: And I I think another good promotion while you're talking about this, too, is that, you know, folks, when it's late July, it's August, Mm. you know, everybody complains every year on social media about trout fishing is, like, stay away from it. Waters are getting too warm. Yeah. I mean, go target smallmouth because there's a couple things. One, they are similar to trout in how they feed. Very similar. And how they take and how they fight. They're similar to
1: salmon. If If you want to, you can fish for them on a dry fly. Yeah. You know, you can throw it's, a you it's can awesome. you can throw a big stonefly, a, a like a stimulator out there. Right. Twitch it on top. Smallmouth will hit that all day long. Yep. Especially in late July, yep. you know, early August. So that's my summer. That's how I attack them. Wait, wait, one more thing in the summer yeah. so when you're
0: on big when you're on these big bodies of water, these sure. bigger rivers, because um, I know it's where you primarily go. Yeah. Do you are you generally in a canoe or a watercraft, or
1: do you ever just kind of wade for them? I. Almost always wade for them. Interesting. Because I know that... Where I go, I know that section of river so well. Yep. So I know where fish are holding and... and but it's... And the flows are generally low in the summer. Right. Time, so, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, I wet wade half the time because cool. it's so warm out. Like, you know. So if you know... My thing is when you're casting. A lot of people when they're casting, they want to cast out into the river. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. I think that you should cast up the river along the shoreline, and then down the river along the shoreline. Interesting. So what I like to do is basically I start at the shoreline, I cast upstream, and so I'll make my cast and bomb it. You can bomb it as far as you can. Whatever your bomb is, cast as far as you can. When I'm going upstream, since I'm casting with my right hand, I have to do a, you know, a backhanded cast sure. upstream. depending on which river it's side depending you're Depending on, on right. which river side, right. So I start upstream, and then what I do is I make a cast an hour further. Mm-hmm. So I'll start at, if it's if I'm looking out at the river, right, and upstream is to my right, mm-hmm. I'll start at 3 o'clock. Then I'll cast to 2, and then I'll cast to 1, and then I'll cast at 12.
0: Yeah, because the river is gradually dropping as you're going yes. from 3 o'clock back to 12 there. So. And
1: then... I'll cast to, you know, 11, 10, and I'll make that transition. Cool. So only one of my casts, of my six casts, is out towards the middle. Interesting. Most of them are towards the edge. Sure. Because smallmouth are not chilling out deep. Yeah. They just aren't. And you're using a fly. Yeah. Fishing deep water. Like, let's say there is a smallmouth hanging out at 15 feet, which, which happens. You know, it happens. There are fish down there 20 feet deep. Your fly isn't getting there. Yep. It's just not getting there. So spend your time wisely. If you want to catch more fish, which I think we all do, put your fly in an area where it's most effective. Yep. Sure, there are fish, there are smallmouth that hang out in 30 feet of water. Yep. I get this. But it doesn't matter, you're not going to catch those fish. Right. Especially if you're throwing a popper or something that's only sinking a foot or two. Right. Hang it on shore. I've caught very, very large smallmouth in like six inches of water. Yeah. I've seen well, them come don't up. Don't
0: they don't they point like um don't they point up the bank because they like things that fall down in yeah into the water too? Yeah. Like isn't that why they hang a lot of times in the shallow water and yeah, there's, probably shaded areas are right, a good Right, Shaded thing to
1: area trees are there and you know, little bait fish aren't cruising out in the thirty feet of water. Good point. They're not. Yeah. They're cruising in the shallows and you can yeah. you see pots of them swim by every now and then and sure. you know, so so yeah, so I spend most of my time casting near shore. Yep. And but I mean, do they're eating
0: dragonflies? They're oh eating yeah, terrestrials, everything. Yeah, or eating
1: Everything. You know. Goddamn small birds that fall out of trees. There's literally there. Yeah. During the <laughs> summer, it's you know, and a lot of activity. Frogs. A lot of activity is on the shore. Yeah. In rivers. That's so. That's where I target them in the summer, um, and then you know when you go to fish in smaller rivers, you can fish the whole river. True every rock riffle run right. you hit every single yeah. spot you know logs down whatever but cover water it's not like it's not like some trout fishing where people just stay in one pool for the whole time no like, no, no. You if you're not catching smallmouth in whatever section i make like one fly change yep. you know maybe two and then i'm out yeah i never spend more than 10 15 minute in a spot sure. you know no chance i'll spend an hour in one pool for trout yep if I know there's fish, you know, or whatever, just because I'm stubborn as hell. But if you're like, for smallmouth, I don't think I've ever fished a spot for more than fifteen minutes in my life. Yeah, I really don't, because it's just quick and up and down, moving all around. You know, just yeah.
0: I'll also say this. Um, I uh, one thing that I found, and not that, not that. I, I mean, you're gonna, you're ninety percent smallmouth. Like you're the guy talking about smallmouth stuff. But what I can add is uh, there was a few years where I was floating the rivers a lot and you're doing these six, seven-mile floats. So if this is what you're doing, if you're going from one boat launch to the next, and you're just casting in the bank, just casting in the bank, just casting in the bank, um, sometimes you're not going to have great days. And what I what I learned over a few years, and uh, I learned this with um, Vince Matthews, who runs uh, Blue Star Guide Service, He, him and I found that if we stopped a lot, not just anchored, we actually got out and got on the shore in spots, mm-hmm. and we fished from shore, we started catching a lot more fish. So... You know, if you're just floating down the river and you're just chucking poppers to the bank, chuck, chucking poppers to the bank all day, you may not have a great day. I mean, yep. you gotta you get anchor or you gotta stop and get out sometimes and, and just go walk up and down the shore even mm-hmm. and it uh, it's can be more productive than you would think it would be.
1: Yep. An old timer once told me to always cast towards the sun. Interesting. I have no idea why, and yep. to this day, I have no idea why. I don't do it, and I don't listen to it. I think old people are hilarious, and I don't do it. But he said, if you're having it, he said, always cast towards the sun. So, yep. you know what? If you're having a tough day, try that out. Try that oh, little nugget out. I've never done it, because I don't know if I've ever had a tough One day. more question,
0: because I found this, too.
1: Sorry to cut you off. No, no,
0: Yeah, go ahead. Because I'm excited yeah. to know. <laughs> do you ever nymph for them? I So... <laughs> That's a funny question. Like on purpose, like you're targeting smallmouth. You're
1: not a place where those trout in smallmouth. Like you're targeting uh, smallmouth with nymphs. You I agree. have. Yep. Just to do it. Yep. I will never do it again. Why? Because um, it's, <laughs> it's not as, okay, I only did it, I've done it, I've actually, I've done it a few times. I just toss on a giant stone nymph, yep. you yep. know? Yep. Um, and I've, Caught smallmouth, but I find that I catch a ton of little ones. Interesting. Small ones. Yeah. So it seems like the smaller fish hang out in the quicker water. So the quicker the water, the smaller the fish. Yeah. That is what I've come to find out. Yeah. Um, and then there's a point where the water slows down so much that, okay, that's when you start getting into the bigger fish. Yeah. Um, but, but you can't really nymph those you sections. You can't really nymph those sections. Right. So you have to nymph kind of quicker water. Yeah. And then you catch smaller... Um, smallmouth, they will, they will take a nymph. They're, they're, they'll eat whatever, you know, they're, they'll eat whatever. But um, I will never do it again because yeah, I find that targeting with nymphs is a easy way to catch 56 inch smallmouth bass, you know, and that's like, Catching one is like, oh cool, you know, I caught a six inch smallmouth bass. Cool. Catching another one's like, Oh, all right. And the third one you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Right, get you know. get off my line. Yeah, get off Let's my line. Move yeah,
0: on, tell so yeah. me what you're looking for and yeah. I have a funny story about smallmouth. I was fishing with my wife and we were, we were fishing clousers, and we were in the we were in a like a fast riffly section not riffly section, <laughs> but a fast uh, section where we pulled over into like a back eddy, and we're fishing into the quicker water Mm -hmm. and just swinging the streamers out from the fast water into the slower stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, we were arguing about something. I don't remember what it was. Um, And her line was just hanging out there, and it was like this chartreuse and white Mm clouser just hanging in the fast water. Yeah. And her rod just (laughs) bends over and (laughs) goes. And she called this 18-inch mama, dude. I mean, she she wasn't actively fishing for it, but the point is the thing was sitting in pretty quick water. At the top, and it's just sitting up there.
1: Well, and you might have... just came and picked it off. You might have thought huge. it was in quick water, but it could have moved from True. a... So, like, if it was just sitting there, right, it could have come from a rock nearby and right. been like, hey, what's that, and then gone over to see it, you know, because yep. they're, yeah, they're, they're movers. It's just you know?
0: interesting yeah. to me to see that sometimes they'll just take something that's just sitting there, mm-hmm. and sometimes oh. they'll take something that you're stripping a million miles an hour. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. And one of the tactics, I, I wanted to mention this, that I use frequently recently i just started doing it recently like a couple years is stripping with two hands for smallmouth yeah so what i'll do is i'll cast usually with bait fish because uh what happened was i saw a bait fish you ever seen a bait fish swim on top of the water like it's getting chased by something
0: all the time with smallmouth
1: they're cruising yes i mean like there's you can't make your fly move that fast it's a good point so, what I started doing was I would cast my um, intermediate line out, let it sink for like five seconds, like count to five in your head. And then with two hands, strip your line back as quickly as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And it was, I caught a good amount of fish doing that. And yeah. I was like, this is awesome.
0: You know what I mean? You're right. I've seen them fish. I've seen them chase fish onto the bank. Like, yes. A like, little bait like, ca- fish will jump yeah, up onto the bank to get away so,
1: from them. So, I, uh, so, if you don't know how to, I guess I'm... I'm I'm doing this a lot, but I have a tutorial on my YouTube page of how to two hand strip. And it is one of the most exciting styles of fishing. Because yeah. you are ripping as like as fast as you can go. Yep. Yeah. And the hits are intense because the fit they have to I mean, they have to hammer it because it's yeah. moving so fast. And uh and, yeah, I, I would implore everyone to try it out. I love it. super a, active fishing. Oh, yeah, you know? it's super active.
0: That's why yeah. I love fly fishing in the first place. I just like active fishing. I don't yeah. want something just sitting there. Yeah. Even though you could argue nymphing is kind of that, but we all know that nymphing is very technical in some ways, too. For sure. Um, all right, so let's let's finish off with, um, you know, fall time in Maine. A lot of people are like, oh, I want to go catch big brookies or salmon. However, our smallmouth fishing holds on, Um pretty good right through most of october from what i've seen i've never really targeted them past columbus day too much but i'm sure you could let me see and we, they're probably putting the feedback on for the winter, i would imagine oh yeah before. the fall
1: the fall is like one of my favorite times to target them and in fact this fall i targeted them a lot because the water was so low this fall yeah i did i went to fish for trout in the fall once, twice, two times because the water was so low. So like, you know, I couldn't go to Western Maine because the water was just unfishable. Like I just, I wasn't even worth it. And then I ended up going up North once, but like the water was just so low everywhere. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't fish for trout very much. Instead, I fished for smallmouth and right up through, let's see, I'm just scrolling through, right up through September into October, the smallmouth fishing was like incredible. Mm -hmm. Like Big, big, big smallmouth because they're, yeah, like you said, they're putting on that fall feedback. And are they hanging in the shells? They kind of. It it was much more spotty, especially in the fall because the water temperature is cooling down. Like um, are you changing up your tactics is what I'm saying when you come to I, the fall? A little bit, but I'm, I'm not throwing poppers anymore. Right. I'm not throwing poppers. I'll switch out my slow sinking intermediate to medium sink intermediate. Because, again, they're still in that, you know, 5 to 10 foot range. Mm-hmm. But I uh, they're not as willing to come up to the surface, you yeah. know. Um, but if you can get your fly down in the middle of the water column, and my tactics are still similar. I'm still, I think I'm not I'm not double stripping. I'm not stripping as fast as I can. So yeah. I guess I'm slowing my stripping down a little bit. Yeah, well,
0: it's like early season you slow down and late right. season you right, slow right. down.
1: But I'm still using the same flies. Other than the poppers. Interesting. I'm using, like... What colors do you like when you're fishing bait fish? Red and white. Yep. is a huge, all white, um, chartreuse. Yep. Um, You know, chartreuse with whatever. And anything with, like, an orange belly, sunfish. Pretty much wherever Mm -hmm. smallmouth uh, live, sunfish live as well. That's true. Or perch. Yep. You know? And so... Um, Something with orange in it, you know, some type of orange. I have a fly that I use that's got, like, three bright orange tungsten beads on a curved hook, Mm -hmm. on a Texas rig hook. Yeah. And the fly is on the shank, Yeah, and the three bright orange beads are on the bend of the Texas rig hook. Does that make sense? Uh, Are you following that? Not really. So they... (laughs) They... um, a Texas rig hook is that, not a,
0: it's not a, it's not a traditional fly.
1: No, uh, it's not, but it, it right. works. A, A-Rex hooks just came out with a very similar looking hook. Mm. Do you know what I'm
0: talking about? I do. I just don't know a lot about these, like, they call them kind of predatory hooks, so, right? Like yeah. So, yeah. Companies like A-Rex do. Oh, that. yeah.
1: They're they're fantastic. So the, um, what it is, is for those people interested in tying this type of fly is on the shank, the straight part of the hook all your feathers and material and deer hair or whatever go on that. Then the three bright tungsten beads go on the curved part of the hook. So it's as if the belly is the beads. Yeah. Um, this is weighted, so it gets down really quickly. So what's stopping the beads from sliding off? So, I guess that's where my brain... Yeah, so is basically you tie um, just a thread bump before and after the beads. Gotcha. Like a dam. Yeah, and... I leave a little space so they move mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a rattle.
0: Yeah. You know, Cav- a, cavitation or whatever. Yeah, they call it, adds
1: right? a little little noise and um that is it's that's been a really successful pattern. Yep. Yo, are you throwing that on a fly on a floating line? Um cuz of the weight? sometimes. Yeah. Um sometimes. It's a heavy fly for sure. It's a heavy heavy fly, but it um yeah, I'm yeah, I'm usually throwing it on floating line. Because it, Oh. Wow. Yeah.
0: will Oh, that's uh, the hook point?
1: Yes, that's yeah. So the point is right in there. We're gonna post a picture of this fly.
0: Yeah, and if you don't, you can look at September 18, thousand nineteen on Main Fly Guy's Instagram. That is an interesting fly. I've yes. never seen that before. So the hook
1: point's right in here. You know, the, the point is that the shank is right, yeah. right in there.
0: So They'll they'll bite right over the yep. beads because yep. I mean you only have
1: um, what, what is that a half an inch maybe less oh yeah it's, quarter of an inch yeah, to yeah, the end of your hook point yeah, from the beads. Short. What you can do and a lot of people do is you can tie a shank so that it hangs out in mm-hmm. the middle you know so it gives you an extra room but I, I think that's it, it works fine just like that. So that that fly that we're talking about it imitates a perch or a sunfish you know a, a baby perch yeah. or a baby sunfish. It looks like it man. So, God. Yeah. So that I don't is know. a
0: sunfish tea. You
1: know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So you can get creative with it. It's a really fun fly, and it, it has a good kind of. What I do is I strip it really quick. So like I'll like strip it really quick. It dives and then has a nice up and down action. Yeah. Kind of like a dying bait fish. So. Right.
0: It's one big hard strip. Let's it. Yeah. One big hard yep. strip. Let's it.
1: So it's a it's a cool fly. It works really well for me. Um. Nobody ever buys it because it's like. Really expensive because there's three well, tons three three of, of beads I mean, on it. Those yeah. are like a dollar a piece. Yeah. But it's it's <laughs> super effective. Much, super, super effective. And uh, so in the in the fall, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm yeah. trying to... I'm not going as quick. I'm definitely trying to imitate dead bait fish or dying bait fish. Yeah. The fall is not a good transition for bait fish either. Um, a lot of them die in that transition because that's a tough time. You know, you're going from warm water to cold water. Yeah. So... It's a good time to pick off vulnerable fish, fish that are weak or old or dying. And so I use primarily bait fish in the fall. Cool. Red and white, chartreuse, something with an orange belly. You know, just, I try to match the hatch, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. golden shiners, uh, common shiners, perch, sunfish, crayfish. You know, those are the things that are out and about in the fall. Frogs kind of go away. Yep. Um, You know. You might have smelt in your river, if you know some some rivers might have smelts. You could use smelt imitations. I um, mean that's the fall. So yeah, I'm trying to slow things down. I'm also not targeting as fast of water. I'm definitely looking for areas near current still, but more tail water, more yep. more the tail end too of the slow run. And yeah, deep. deep little like yep. you know drop offs. You know, sure. still not too deep, not too deep, because they're still utilizing those rocks for warmth. Yep. and if you wade in the river. In the fall, if you're surrounded by rocks and then you move to a place where there are no rocks, you'll you'll notice there's a difference in temperature. You can take a temperature yep. next to a rock and then move away from the rock. And it's, you know, on a sunny day, it the temperature does change. So those rocks hold a lot of heat. Right. And they want heat they that time want of heat, year, yep. And the bait fish also want
0: heat. want heat. So they're going to be in spots. They're also probably... On the bank still too though because it's just shallower right and yeah, there's it's sun sh- sun hitting yeah. that so the baitfish yep. will be there so for sure cool man that's a uh, that's a lot of great smallmouth information yeah. Um
1: and then it's winter time
0: you can ice fish for them you can yeah I've caught them in the ice so I used to go when I used to go out and ice fish back in the day it's been a long time for that
1: I know you get into that a little bit yeah but. a little bit I haven't been I haven't even thought about it this year because it's been so. Really warm. Ice. I mean, I don't even know if there's ice where I want to go, and so. <laughs> Real
0: quick, on that note, what do you, uh, what do you think is more important—the snowpack or the rainfall we get in the spring—to kind of keep our rivers from getting too low in the summer? What do you think is more important?
1: Um, rainfall. Rainfall. Without a doubt. Yep. Not even a question. Interesting. The okay, uh, do we have time? I mean, we're at an hour and a We're at an hour 28 here. Gonna, okay. Gonna okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Snowpack is incredibly important for river health, mm-hmm. not fish health. Snowpack melting brings a lot of forest-derived nutrients into the river, which feeds the algae, which feeds the insects, which feed the fish, mm-hmm. which feed the bears, which poop near the trees. Yes. yes. So snowpack is important for long-term success of river health. Yep. Rainfall is more important for immediate fish health because rainfall will keep the river at a cooler temperature longer than snowpack will. Sure. Snowpack melts and it's gone. Right. River a uh, rain is falling especially
0: where we are here in the east. I mean, we don't yes. you don't have rivers that are running in July from snowpacks correct. For right. the most part. We do not
1: because we don't have 20,000 foot mountains, yeah, so you know? Montana. so rainfall is more important for us because we don't have that extended snowpack. So our feeder streams are, you know, they're cold, yep. but they're not 35 degrees cold come late June. Yep. If we have a lot of rain though, right, then you can have that rain up in the higher elevations cool down and then boom trickles down. So we need rain in the spring and early summer to help immediate fish health. Yep. To keep fish uh, conditions more optimal or, or or optimal for longer periods of yep. time. So that is my take on it. Um, so we've had a pretty crappy
0: winter in terms of snowfall so far. For sure. But I don't think what, that's a, what Greg is saying, folks. Is that
1: there's still hope for a good fishing yeah, season if we get absolutely. decent rain in the spring. And honestly, it's you know the winter is tough on fish regardless Mm -hmm. you know it's tough on fish they want it to warm up a little bit right you know yeah they they, they don't want eight degrees right they don't like you know freezing so um yeah i would say if we get many seasons in a row without a good snowpack then you start to think okay this might hurt river health long term so if you get like five years in a row you know one year Probably won't be too big of a deal to a couple of year, whatever, you know. Yep. Rivers go in big swings, you know, as far as health. But if you get five, ten years in a row with a bad winter, then you start to think, all right, you're missing out on a ton of nutrients that are getting scraped in by that melting snow. Yep. You know, you're missing out on a ton of... of Nitrogen and phosphorus from the forest floor, from all that crap, all the bear crap, and mm-hmm. this is why you should not drink river water at any moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot it, flowing in the. Rivers. There's a lot flowing into it, right? Yep. So. Yep, that's a good point. Um. So yeah. So that that's how I feel about about that. Cool. Um.
0: Three rapid fire kind of questions for you. First one. Sure. Is it? Does it ever get too warm to fish for smallmouth?
1: Yes, I'm sure it does. Yeah. I've never experienced it. Yeah. But. I know there is an upper limit, and if, if, like, water is above 80 degrees, you probably shouldn't fish for anything. At for anything, For sure. anything. Yeah. Um, in Maine, in Maine, and you it's know. it's almost non-sanitary to even swim in that. Yeah, I just, it's you know. scary warm. Yeah, it's scary warm. So, the rivers will get that hot on yep. occasion. Yep. Um, in, like, you know. That in August, lake, which is really low, low yeah. and we yeah. get those really hot stretches yeah. sometimes. But for smallmouth, I've never experienced it because usually you're fishing in... Uh, water that's moving and so it's very unlikely that water that's moving ever gets above 75 70 70 degrees you know and smallmouth at 70 degrees are you know at 65 70 degrees are just just happy as can be cool um second question
0: for you and i'm confused because um before we started greg and i were kind of we were kind of late on an outline for this episode and we were talking about things and i don't remember if we talked about this in the podcast or if we were just talking about before but you and I started to talk about um, how I knew that smallmouth fishing is getting more popular is because people on, like, social media are starting to get more angry at how people are handling smallmouth bass. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, lipping yeah. lipping them. Yeah. I just don't remember if we talked about it or not. So, so, I don't think we did. So, to quickly cover it, um, if you're going to take fish with a smallmouth or you're going to handle a smallmouth, what's the best way to do that? Because a lot of people lip
1: it, right, and their mouth's yep. back and they chuck it back in the water. So, it's totally okay to lip a smallmouth. Um, it's fine as long as you're holding it completely vertical. So that means its mouth will be pointing directly to the sky. It can handle that. If you're going to hold the fish horizontally to take a picture with, which is fine, go ahead. If you want to take a picture with it, go ahead. Just use hands. use your other hand to support the bottom of the fish because, and I'll tell you why, because their jaw is n- can... Uh, hold the weight of the fish in a vertical fashion, but it cannot withhold their body weight in a horizontal fashion. And so what you'll end up doing, excuse me, what you'll end up doing is breaking their jaw. You won't hear anything. You won't notice it, but you'll break their jaw. If you hold them hold them horizontally and basically with one hand, with one hand. Yeah. They'll lose, uh, feeding abilities and it's, you know, they may or may not recover, you know so right. it, it's a you know it's tough for a fish to feed when its mouth parts aren't functioning because that they, they don't have hands the only thing that they can use to uh, catch their prey is their mouth right. right so basically what they do is they they create this vortex and suck in water mm-hmm. and i'm sure maybe like some, the some of the yeah, yeah and so Basically, they never bite a fish. They suck in fish. Yep. They never actually bite it. They just suck also, it it's in. it's hard to get flies out sometimes. Right. The in- so, inhale. Yes. so, they flush water through their gills. They have these muscles and yeah. their, their bone structure in their mouth uh, gives them the ability to flush water through their gills and suck prey in rather than actually biting it. And so, mm-hmm. if you damage their jaw, their bottom jaw they do not have the ability to create that vortex and suck water through their gills. So it's not good to hold them in a horizontal fashion because you don't want to damage their mouth like that. So if you're going to take a picture, use two hands. um, You know, again, totally fine to hold it vertical. Grab it by the lip. That's totally fine too. Hold it vertical. Take your fly out. You want to take a picture, your buddy's going to take a picture. Use two hands to support the, the weight of the fish because you got to think they weren't, they didn't evolve to support their weight out of water. Yep. They support. They evolved to support their weight in water, right? And they're much more buoyant in water than air. And yeah, so that's that.
0: Yep. Um, and third question. It's pretty much smallmouth unrelated, but um, most of you guys know Greg. You know he runs Main Fly Guys. Uh, Main Fly Guys has evolved into this kind of one stop shop for education. Uh, buying flies, now selling some gear. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but is there anything that you want to kind of announce for 2021 about it? Uh, Anything coming up or anything, new things you're offering, stuff like that?
1: Sure. Um, uh, Shameless plug, you know. That's fine. I'm not above a shameless plug, you know. I love them. Um, So we are moving in a direction to continue our education. That's First and foremost, for Main Fly guys, mm-hmm. it's always been my dream. It's what I went to. I spent eight years of my life studying fish, and mm-hmm. it's time that I, you know, use that education to give back and and you know try to improve a fishery in a way that I can. You know, and my way is through education. And so we're going to continue those efforts and try to you know maybe put on some stuff and maybe put on some shows or some live events with COVID. It's obviously difficult to get people together, but, you know, pushing things on Instagram, creating live events where, you know, we can get a community together. We're, we're going to strive to continue to push that sort of feeling of community and uh, education cool. for sure. As far as products and stuff, um, I've been spending many, many hours trying out different leaders, lines, tippet things like that, and we are going to start selling our own uh, brand of leaders, tippets, and fly line. Uh, It's just going to start with, like, trout stuff, 4X, 5X, 6X, that kind of thing, fluoro, nylon, the the traditional there. Um, But we want the people of Maine to have a Maine company to buy from for their fly fishing gear. Cool. You know, and that's also... At an affordable price. At a super affordable price because... (laughs) it's so funny, like, we look at these prices, you know, so I sell a silicone fly box right now that's waterproof and holds 88 flies. And it's a slim fit for $9. That same fly box, most people are selling for $15 to $20, which is outrageous. I mean, there it's that's corporate greed, corporate greed. So like, we're probably going to sell five, Nine foot five x liters. We'll sell five of them for probably ten bucks. And what's uh what's like a big company selling that for? Amqua. You can get two of yeah. them. Two of them for twelve. Okay. Three of them for twelve. That's great. Do you know what
0: I mean? So That's it's great. just we. Well, you don't need. You don't also don't need the huge uh, margins and the huge. Um, I mean, you're kind of a non. You guys are nonprofit,
1: right? We're not. we no. We're not. We're not nonprofit. But you know, money, I guess, is not mm-hmm. our. Primary goal. Right, you're trying to
0: you're trying to grow your business. With you money know, as well. yeah. yeah.
1: So it's it's you know we just the main people need an affordable option. Sure. People shouldn't be going to LL Bean picking mm-hmm. up a leader, looking at the price tag, and saying that's I just mm-hmm. I don't want to buy. That. I agree with you. Do you know sometimes what I mean? That's it's it's, crazy. It's unreasonable. Yeah. It's unreasonable, right. and I think it's unreasonable because you can make leaders out of tippet even. Yeah, right? you can do can. so. So
0: S- some people are so cheap that they do that because they don't want to pay for exactly. A, for so, a leader.
1: so, what I am trying to do, me and my brother are trying to do, is we're trying to find a way to bring the same quality as Amqua, as Orvis, as all the big companies, and at, at the reasonable price. Yep. So, our tippet, you know, it's basically the same as the Orvis tippet. Mm-hmm. It's the same as the Amqua tippet, yeah. right? Comes from the same place. And the only difference is. Is that one? We have no middleman. We are the middleman. Right. Right. It's our own brand. Everything is assembled here in Maine. Everything's inspected here in Maine. Everything is shipped out here in Maine, and it's at a price that you know is reasonable for a main. Yeah. Uh, a main person. And you are the quality assurance guy as well. For all right. We're stuff. like every like you know and like so <laughs> right. yeah. That's the other thing is I test everything.
0: Yeah.
1: So I fish. 200 days a year. Yep. I can't be using shit. I just can't. You know, I just it. can't afford it. No. I can't afford it. I no. fish too too often to well, be... Well, you
0: out there to catch the fish of a
1: lifetime all the time. And you exactly. have
0: poor quality stuff. Exactly.
1: So, whatever right. I am selling you, I am using. Yep. You know, I'll never, ever, ever sell anyone anything that I wouldn't use. Yep. Not a chance. Because, one, that's stupid, mm-hmm. you know. And, two, I think it's unethical, you know. I think it's incredibly unethical, you know. So... Eventually, what I would like to do is I would like to give a main option um, where you can just come to Main Fly Guys and you can get everything you need to go fish today. Cool. That's what we're striving to do, and we're just doing it little piece by piece. I mean, my brother and I, we both have full-time jobs, you right know. On. So this is, you know, this is what started out as just a little fun project is turning into something a little more serious. Yeah. You know, um, which is great and i love the people i mean that you know i'm just so thankful for the people cuz you know i wouldn't even be here if it weren't for if sure. if weren't for the people Yeah, you got a lot of supporters a lot of followers you know people and what's who are what's super exciting to see is that people are excited about it people want to learn yeah which is i you know i couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams that i'd mm-hmm. have 60 comments and you know a hundred shares on how to handle a fish properly right you know what I mean that yeah. excites me yeah and that's a positive way forward for maine fisheries well there's not really a lot of places for the educa- that that education exists anywhere no not on I mean. not on a big platform not yeah. on something that can reach a lot of people and so and it's free no it's free right and that you know I will never charge a dollar for educational material yeah never yeah. ever 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 that should be free forever yep. you know and I I don't know why it hasn't already been made more available, but whatever, we're here to to fix that. Cool. And that's that's where we're headed. So we have a few projects that I can't talk about because they're super secret. That's okay. But um, some big things are definitely coming. Just keep the people curious. Coming for sure. Keep the curiosity. Some big (laughs) things are coming. Love it this summer, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about them. So that's that's what we're doing. That's where we're headed, and, uh,
0: yeah, we're excited to see, see where it goes. Cool. We have not talked yet about what the um, uh, fish series will hold for Episode 4 yet, which fish we're going to choose, um, but I can assure you that it will be a good one, and it will be another main staple fish. Maybe we should let the people, vote. Ooh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. All right, I like that. I'm going to uh, I'll push that question out there after this episode drops, and most people have listened to it. And we will see what you guys would like to hear about next.
1: I have a slight inkling that it will be brown trout. Interesting. That's my guess. Okay. I'm not trying to persuade anyone, but no. I think that it will either, I think it will be brown trout or my underdog vote and my hopeful vote is musky. Is musky, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you're dying. You're <laughs> dying
0: to talk about musky. I'm going the other way. I'm, I'm thinking people are going to want to hear about stripers. Hmm. I know it's another huge passion of yours, and that's another yep. up and coming thing in Maine that's getting more and more popular. All so right. We'll see. We'll find out. I like <laughs> it. A little, <laughs> little poll bet here. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast. Please remember to support the guests we've had on our show in previous episodes. Both Megan Hess of Beathead Fly Fishing and John Peterson of Peterson's Guide Service in Maine can offer you guided trips to help you learn how to become a better smallmouth fly angler. Jeff Davis of the Maine Fly Company can put the perfect smallie rod in your hands. And lastly, Greg Labonte of Maine Fly Guys and Nate White of Northwoods Fly Company can hook you up with the flies you need to put a big old piggy in the net. Please don't forget to visit us on Instagram and comment on our show. We love to hear from our listeners. Our handle is at the Main Fly Fishing Podcast.